that name. Why don't you lift your voice and praise that name? He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Praise God. Praise God. I love what I feel in this building. Such a beautiful, beautiful presence of the Lord. And you may be seated. We are so thankful that all of you are here tonight. And uh, if you are a guest, we especially welcome you and thank you for coming to spend Christmas with us uh, this year. And God bless you. And we pray that this is your greatest Christmas ever. And I do want to welcome a couple of uh, a few special guests. We are always honored and very thankful to have uh, Pastor and Sister Lehman with us from Fredericton, Canada. And they, they brought the newlywed couple with them, uh, Justin. And this is Samantha's first time, and we welcome them. We are so thankful that they are here. If we were giving out prizes, um, they would get the award for traveling the farthest for being in this, uh, to be in this service tonight. And they traveled just a little ways farther than my brother and sister-in-law that is here tonight. And we're thankful to have them all the way from Texas. We've got them from the far north to the far south and everywhere in between. And so thank you for being here tonight. I want to read a verse of scripture uh, out of Isaiah 66 tonight. I know this may not seem that it goes with Christmas, but we'll do our best to, to bring it around. And I'll, I'll just talk to you for a little while tonight, and then we're going to sing another song or two. Isaiah 66 and 1, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne. The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? I want to talk to you just for a few minutes tonight about a footstool in Bethlehem. The full weight, according to Scripture, of the glory of God is in heaven. It is not here on earth. This natural world, this finite world that we live in cannot bear the full weight of the glory of God. And so therefore, he said, the heaven is my throne and the earth is but my footstool. And so the Lord placed a Footstool, he placed his feet in Bethlehem, if you will. He was the glory of the only begotten of the Father, according to John, and he is and was the express image of his person. We understand that earth is just his footstool. It bears the imprint of his feet, but never the weight of his Full glory, and we learn a lesson from that about our earthly life here. 
and that is that the earth isn't the place on which, which we can rest our full weight or our well-being. Its possessions are merely footstool possessions, and the place where we put our feet on top of the things of this world, on top of its problems and upon the top of its issues. Paul put it like this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth. I want you to notice the language there. Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He sits, and he said, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. He said again in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so even though we are sitting here tonight in an earthly realm, those that are in Christ are sitting in heavenly places. Our physical bodies are here, but our spirits are elevated with Christ, and we are sitting with him in heavenly places. We walk in the spiritual realm, and we continue to allow earth to only be our footstool where we place our feet for just a short time. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 38, there was a woman that came to Jesus, and the Bible said that she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. I want you to notice the, the importance of the feet of Jesus that is emphasized here. She began to wash his feet with tears. She did wipe them with the hairs of her head. She kissed his feet, and she anointed them with ointment. In the New Living Translation, it says it like this, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume upon them. Basically, what she was saying is, if I can get to his feet, I can access his glory. It's got to start here, but it's got to end there. We can't get so attached to the things of this world that we can't ever get to the place of his glory and the weight of his power and understanding his ways. And so it has to start at his feet. The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. When I think of babies, I think we, we notice a lot of time when a baby is born, we notice their feet. Sometimes their little fat, pudgy feet. And sometimes they're long, narrow feet. And sometimes you'll look at a child and say, look how long their toes are. But there's just something about the feet of babies. And that, that smooth, sweet texture. 
when they come into the world. And I think about the feet of baby Jesus. They looked as human as any other feet, but they, they would lead his people to his glory. We would understand by being at the feet of Jesus how to have access to the glory of God. The Bible said that when Jesus was at the Last Supper, that he bent down and he washed the feet of his disciples. He was demonstrating humility and selfless love. And he looked at them and he said, so ought you to wash one another's feet. Practice humility. Practice self-love. Practice servitude is what he was saying. And then when we read in the scripture about people that preach the gospel, the Bible said how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. There is something about the attachment of human feet to this earth. Gravity keeps us on the ground. But there is something that the Lord has given us by placing his feet on this earth, by being born in Bethlehem, by coming off of his throne in glory, not being just a pillar of smoke, a pillar of fire, not just being a voice in the wilderness somewhere, not just being a cloud that comes down upon the people of God, but robing himself in humanity and his human feet traversed the paths of this world. He walked the dusty, the dusty streets and the villages around Capernaum and Caesarea Philippi and all around the, the Sea of Galilee. And because of that, because of his understanding he has learned what it was like to walk as a human being. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And so all of these things are, are important. If you're going to worship the Lord, don't try to exalt yourself and elevate yourself and worship him. Don't try to climb up to the heavens of your own volition and your own ability. Don't try to get there through your own humanity, your own mechanics, your own religious exercises. But the only way to get to his glory is by going, by going to his feet. We read an important scripture in the book of Ruth. It talks about, it gives us a typology of a kinsman redeemer. It talks about Naomi and her husband Elimelech. Their two sons that would leave the land of Bethlehem and they would go into the land of Moab and they would marry wives there. In the course of time, Elimelech died, the two sons died, and so Naomi was left with her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and the other one. That's how we refer to them is because we don't know anything about the other one except for she wasn't willing to come with Naomi. But as for Ruth, she said, I'm going where you go. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Because they had heard that the famine in Bethlehem was over. It was kind of a paradox because Bethlehem means the house of bread. And yet there was no bread in Bethlehem. So they, they left in this time of famine. And the Bible says that, that Naomi... She had, when she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread, she went back to the land that she came out of. It was the land of her nativity. And so there in Bethlehem, this wasn't 
Christ being born was not the first time that something truly important had happened in the land of Bethlehem. In Ruth chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible said, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Naomi assumed that because she had left before the famine got really bad, went into the land of Moab, and she had lost her husband and her two sons, and then one of her daughters-in-law, she said, I'm coming back to Bethlehem, but I'm coming back empty-handed. I know a lot of times it feels like that for people that leave the church, and they wander out in the world, and they, they are affected by what they feel is a famine that has happened in their life, but the Lord has a way of bringing us back to Bethlehem, which is really the center of the universe when it comes to salvation. It's where it started. It's where it will end. In verse 22, the scripture said that they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. That barley or corn was a type of the flesh, and this is, this is a type of the birth of Christ, God robing himself in flesh. It was a time of barley harvest. Christ was being born into the world, coming out of heaven, placing his feet upon the earth so that we would have access to him. In the second chapter of the book of Ruth and verse 10, the Bible said, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? This is Ruth speaking to Boaz, and Boaz was the near kinsman of Naomi. Naomi was pointing Ruth in that direction. We've got to have seed. You've got to bear fruit. If you're going to bear fruit, you've got to get to Bethlehem. And if you get to Bethlehem, you've got to find the near kinsman. You've got to find a redeemer there in Bethlehem. And the Bible said that Ruth didn't understand it, and she asked this question, and I want you to notice the key word in this question, why have I found grace in thine eyes? Grace was the topic of this entire story. And so here Jesus was, robing himself in flesh, being born in a manger, extending the grace of God to humanity so that all could be saved. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Now, Naomi puts together this plan, and she tells her, she said, there's going to come a time when you're going to find Boaz at the threshing floor. He said, when he lays down at night, he said, I want you to follow my instructions very carefully. And the Bible said in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 7, said when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she, being Ruth, came softly. That's the way that you approach the Redeemer. And I want you to notice this. She uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the, men, the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Boy, if we could just learn to lay at the feet of the Redeemer. If we could just learn to understand that we have not even seen just a thimbleful 
of the power of God and the glory of God. The full weight of his glory is there. But the earth is his footstool. We're not, we're not here to ascend. We're here to humble ourselves. And he gave us that example that he would humble himself and he would be born in a manger. He would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. They would come from the east. The shepherds would come and they would come bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is not about big eyes and little U's in the kingdom of God. This is about finding our way to Jesus and all roads lead to Bethlehem. You can't get to the cross without understanding Bethlehem, the humility of his birth followed by the humility of his death. The humble beginnings of his birth that was a completed story with the humbleness of his death upon the cross. Bethlehem was the place that Rachel died. Rachel was the mother of Joseph. Joseph was a type of Christ. Joseph is a fruitful bough whose branches run over the wall. And so we find all of these little nuggets and pieces throughout the Old Testament that point us to Christ, but really they point us to Bethlehem, the place of bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He said, I'm the manna that has come down from heaven. I've come off of the throne down to the footstool so that I can connect with humanity. If you truly understand how much that Jesus feels every pain that we feel, he understands every temptation. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. There was a footstool in Bethlehem. It was the place where God first put his feet upon the earth. The Bible talks about it in Micah chapter 5 and 2, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. That's speaking of Christ, whose going forth, goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. A Savior was born that night. It was quiet. It was calm. But yet there was a stir in the fields where the shepherds were. There was a star in the sky that led the wise men to where he was. There's a beacon of hope today. And I want to tell somebody in this place that in this Christmas season, regardless of what you go through, regardless of what you may be facing, if you can get to the feet of Jesus in Bethlehem, you'll have access to the glory of God in heaven above. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, Paul said, He hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. And so when we look at that little baby in the manger in Bethlehem, the feet of a baby grew into the feet of a redeemer. That's why we're here, because a Savior is born. God had visited his people. The famine was over, and there's corn in Bethlehem now. I'm so thankful that his feet will lead us to his glory. Regardless of all the chaos, regardless of all the confusion, 
The Lord knows how to speak calm. You know there's a story that talks about Jesus on a boat on more than one occasion. The storm was raging. And in one of those stories, he stepped to the bow of the ship and he said, Peace, be still. And so when we sing about silent night, we sing about a holy night. It wasn't just silent night, but it was a holy night. The holiness of God is in this place tonight. But the silence of God is in this place tonight. Not because he's not talking, but because his peace is here. How many of you understand that he's the prince of peace? There's a footstool in your life tonight. If you confine yourself to the feet of Jesus, you'll have access to the glory of God. Would you stand with me tonight? Would you lift your hands here for just a moment? They're going to sing, but I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would move upon your people. I pray that your anointing would rest upon every family. I pray, God, that you would baptize us afresh, Lord, with peace, healing, deliverance, Lord, in this house, God. I speak against the chaos in people's world. And I pray that your anointing that destroys every yoke, God, would usher us into your presence. In the name of Jesus, oh God, right now as we lift our hands to you, we know, God, that all is calm, that all is calm in our lives tonight because you're the peace speaker in Jesus' name. Would you just lift your hands and worship him right now? Come on, lift your voice and worship him. Let's worship him together and sing this with him. to come around the front tonight. Let's sing this together. Just make your way around the front. With your hands lifted and your voice lifted.
Can you praise him right now? Can you praise him right now? I thank you, Jesus. Come on, praise him. While you're praising him, I just want you to catch a glimpse of that baby Jesus, that baby Messiah laying in a manger. Hallelujah. God, we praise you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful presence of the Lord is in this place and has been here. I want to thank our worship team. They always work so very, very hard. Thank them for leading us tonight. And if you're a guest, please come back. Uh, we're here every week, every Thursday, 7.30, Sunday morning, 11 a.m., and 